How great is the love our Father has lavished on us that we might be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Amen. My brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one other time in all the years that I've been a pastor that I've chosen the lesson from 1 Samuel as the portion of scripture I'd be working on and thinking about and preparing as a sermon or devotional text for a congregation that I was serving. It was January of 1997, and I held a call at the time to another congregation. The congregation I was serving, I had been their only pastor, serving there from the time the congregation had started. Week to week, we had been having a Bible study on the doctrine of the call since I was their first pastor, and this was the first time they were experiencing a pastor having a call. And I think they thought the writing was on the wall because I had a call to Wisconsin, and I was a Wisconsin boy, but they probably didn't really do the math because the reality was the congregation I was being called to was actually farther away from my hometown than central Indiana. But the group was either native Hoosiers or longtime central Indiana residents, and I think they thought the social pull towards Wisconsin would be too strong for me to resist. It's one of the reasons why I decided to have a Bible study on the doctrine of the call and why when this was the lesson presenting itself on that second Sunday of Epiphany, I thought it appropriate because I knew I would be announcing at the end of the service that I was accepting the call to focus on this portion of Scripture. But I have to admit, I was fascinated with this particular Bible lesson long before that Sunday in 1997. It goes all the way back to my elementary school days, and it's all about this book right here. And maybe... If you remember this book from NPH, copyrighted in the 50s as our elementary school text, you'll remember the illustrations. That illustration of Samuel coming to Eli in the middle of the night when he thought Eli was the one calling him has been a vivid, as vivid a memory in my mind to this day as it is printed on that page, 135. I can tell you where it was and and what it looks like, probably could describe it well enough for a, a police sketcher to, to, to make out the suspects in a, in a sketch. Why was I so fascinated with that? Because along the way, there are those moments when you realize the person I'm reading about right now is pretty much the same age I am right now. And it just fascinated me that God would come and speak to a child. I certainly was immersed in all kinds of other thinking and pondering in those days about what I had learned in Bible history that morning of second grade. I wondered certainly about you know, what were the living arrangements there exactly? Where did they sleep? How did they live in the, in the tabernacle itself? I mean, that they were in the tabernacle and they were living there. Even the idea of what, what was young Samuel wearing to sleep that night that he woke up and had all this traveling to do. And, and why did he think in the middle of the night that old Eli, his mentor, was calling to him? Was this something that happened somewhat 
regularly as a pattern since he was blind and maybe Eli or rather Samuel was kind of playing that role of servant boy to get the things that Eli needed in the middle of the night when it was dark since his sight was so bad a lot of those questions we can't answer but isn't it fascinating to consider the idea that long before hundreds of years prior to his being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the pre-incarnate Messiah, the Lord himself, walked in his tabernacle at Shiloh and stood eventually in the room of this young man named Samuel and called him, called him to service for the people of God, called him to service of the word in God's name as a prophet. It was a very unique situation. When you and I study the scriptures and look for the places where those who have been used by the Holy Spirit to write these things down for us or to speak things that are recorded as inspired word of God for us, there are times when they offer us glimpses of what that was like for them to realize either God was speaking to them or God was speaking through them. There are commonalities in the things that are shared, but there are equally, clearly unique and individual realities that these human beings like you and me, men and women, experienced as God spoke both to them and through them, through his word, but also through their own mouths and their pens, the things that he intended to be his word. And it's certainly unique as to what Samuel experienced that night. The, the, the words themselves, the, the description, the chronology is not all that unusual or remarkable. The, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli in those days. The word of the Lord was rare. God wasn't talking to anybody else. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. There's a little bit of light there in the tabernacle. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And Eli, like any older person having a child wake them up in the middle of the night, said, Go back. Go back and lie down. I did not call you, my son. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. In other words, he had not yet had any experience that would have ever let him realize that God was going to speak directly to him often. And in some cases, even appear to him, personified for the purpose of guiding him and leading him in his work as a prophet and as a judge of Israel. And this is where it all begins, in his childhood. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. 
Finally, it dawned on the old man of God, the high priest of Israel, what was going on. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord did come a fourth time and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. What stellar advice, direction, his old mentor gave him. It is the same advice Eli would give to you and me, that Samuel would give to you and me, that every writer of the scripture would give to you and me. When God is clearly talking to you, you don't just say, yeah, I'm listening, but rather you invest every element of who you are, your entire existence, in focusing on what God has to say to you. Now, for you and I, that's a little different because it's all gathered into this book we call the Bible. But there are absolutely moments. Whether it's in our personal devotion, our time spent together in Bible study, perhaps during a worship service, where in that moment God has got us so focused, so so clearly connected to what he's trying to say to each of us as individuals, that he's got our full attention and we're saying, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Maybe that should be the reality even a little bit more often. That you and I would have more clarity, more certainty to who we are and what God would have us do and be and live to believe and embrace and rely upon if we were listening to God's word with that that attitude. But it's God calling me. God speaking to me. God making me ever more certain than I have been before of what he wants from me. With, with Samuel, it was a little bit different. Because God was clearly coming to Samuel to begin the process of preparing him to be one of the most powerful men of God, men of the word that has ever lived. He would, after all, be allowed to anoint two separate kings of Israel, the first two, first Saul and then, and then David. And there were these amazing moments in which Samuel was first as a judge of Israel, the one who was leading Israel politically, militarily, leading up to the time of Saul. And then there were moments as the prophet of God that Samuel was the one being consulted by both the first king of Israel and then the second king of Israel for his stellar advice and counsel as a man immersed in the word who knew and could receive word from God himself as to what was the right and blessed thing to be doing. You may remember, Samuel had his moments where he, he spoke with God in interesting ways that give us insight into how that would work. Say, for instance, in the house of Jesse, when he was sent there to anoint, anoint the second king of Israel, one of Jesse's sons was going to be anointed that day as the next king And all of Jesse's sons are brought in front of Samuel, and none of them are pointed to. None of them are the one that God has clearly said, that's the one. While Samuel is asking Jesse, do you have another son? And he's saying, sure, the punk that's out with the the sheep right now, you don't really want him, do you? These other warriors, these sons of Jesse, experienced in battle, who were 
imposing and, and important people. God says, don't look at their outward appearance. That's not what this is all about. I'm looking for the right heart, the right man with the right heart to lead my people. And Samuel has made clear on that fact that that is who David is, even though he's but a child. You think there were echoes of this moment in that experience for Samuel? That such a young man is being clearly designated by God as the one who would lead his people? Samuel and David also had a very interesting relationship as Samuel was allowed to see David succeed as king a ways into his reign before Samuel was taken to heaven. He was a man who served faithfully and well, powerfully guiding God's people with God's word, with the confidence that he had been called to do that by God himself in a way that no one today can truly know how confident building that is when you've got an experience where God has looked you in the eye and told you with his own voice, you are my man, even though you are a child, and this is how our relationship's going to go from this point forward. But I assure you that you don't want anyone in called ministry of the word to stand in front of you not from a lectern or a pulpit or an ambo, not next to a hospital bed, not in a counseling session, not in front of a classroom or a choir loft, or in any way that God's called servants help his people and proclaim his word to his people with any doubt in their mind whatsoever that God has called them to that moment, to that place, to that purpose, to that ministry. Anyone that grows uncertain in the course of their duties, that this is the place where God still wants them to serve, wherever that may be, perhaps it's time to step back and step aside from ministry. Anyone who knows for sure that God has not called them to that moment, that place, to that people, to that purpose, but serves anyway, is callously dangerous, whether we realize it or not. That might sound like a bit of an overstatement, but can you doubt for a moment that if God would take such incredible care in making sure that every word of this scripture has been preserved for you as he has decided through the working of his Spirit, that every word spoken, written, intended for your eyes, your ears, for your being declared righteous and your being enriched in your understanding of yourself and your God's commitment to you and his promises of eternal life through the forgiveness only available through his one and only son who not only stood in that tabernacle that night and spoke to Samuel, but then also became one of us to live and die and rise, to pay the price for our sins and to declare us righteous and to give us not only hope, but the empowerment to live as he has called us to live by giving us not only word, but hope and prayer and all the rest of the guidance allowed in a relationship where we know we're listening to his voice when he's calling us through his word. Would he ever leave any doubt? 
for anyone he has chosen to be his representative in any given situation that he has authorized and empowered and chosen that moment for his servant. I know it's a strange process. I know as we look at it from a distance, whether it's a lifelong relationship with this church body that has this odd process of offering positions to people most of the people in the congregation have never met or even heard of before, for them to decide whether they're going to accept that and call, come and answer that call, whether it seems archaic or confusing, I'd ask you to study the process, to examine it historically against the practice of Christians throughout world and time, and also to examine it against all of the possible ways that people in other church bodies in this day and age are placed in the positions they are for the reasons that they are, and to ask yourself in balance, which is better? A process of interview and conversation, each side trying things on for size, with all of the different human ramifications of our sinfulness and our misguidedness brought to the equation, or the process where God places in front of the individual the opportunity to prayerfully listen and consider and be led to certainty that God is the one through his people in that moment providing opportunity to begin a new ministry somewhere they likely have never been before with God's promise of guidance, protection, providing blessing upon the thing that he is calling them to do with his word and his sacraments. It is the way God chooses to continue this progression throughout history of making sure his people have the word available to them in a way that they can understand it for their forgiveness and their blessing and their assurance of God's love and commitment and unrelenting desire for them to live with him forever. It is how God makes sure that you and I and every other believer have access to the sacraments that wash us and make us a child of God or forgive us and strengthen us through body and blood for the purposes God has placed us in our individual lives in his world every day. For our certainty of our own forgiveness. For our enabling and guiding to live for him in a way that we uniquely can in each of our own callings. All of this builds one off of the other. When someone who is certain that God has called them to speak to us with clarity and certainty, to correct us when necessary, to encourage us, to console us with the word that they are equally convinced God has placed on their heart or in front of them on a lectern to share that changes everything about the way you and I feel on the receiving end about what God is saying to us about who we are and what he's calling each of us to do with our lives and our words, our passions and our trust in a way that pleases him, gives him glory, and if the word is shared in all of it, saves souls for all eternity. After all, it wasn't just a night long ago in the tabernacle that God 
exclusively and uniquely called to one of his children to hear his voice. And through wise counsel, that young man said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And it changed the entire course of human salvation history. That continues to go on day after day, night after night, every time anyone opens this word, whatever the context it might be, the Lord speaks. The Lord calls. That call is unmistakable. When you hear it, you know it. And when you hear it, you know that it changes everything. And when you hear it and you know that it changes everything, you also are equally certain that God is in charge, that God calls, God directs, God saves, God plans out our lives according to his promises regarding all of his eternity. And day by day, step by step, when he calls and we listen, because that call is unmistakable. God's will is done. God's people praise him because God's people are saved through his word, proclaimed through those he's called to be his servants. Amen. Please stand. We'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.